Thank you, Regina. All right, if you got your Bibles, open up to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to look at verses 2 through 4 this morning. Uh, last week, we looked at Colossians 3, 1, and we talked about the idea of pursuit. The idea of us pursuing after Jesus Christ, of, of us living a life where we are seeking the glory of God, or we are seeking to honor Christ above all else. Colossians 3, 1 says, If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And so, uh, last week we talked about that, that that is the purpose of our life as Christians, is to be seeking the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, that we're to be living a life uh, pursuing Him. Now, Christianity is not a super complicated religion. To follow Christ, we don't have to do a bunch of just wild things. We don't have to join a commune. We don't have to sell all of our possessions. We don't have to wear special clothing or or eat a certain diet or give up caffeine. We don't have to do all these different kind of uh, odd, outside-the-norm things. What Paul lays out for us here uh, in Colossians 3 are kind of three things that we need to make sure are a part of our lives if we're going to be pursuing Christ. It's to make a decision to put Christ first, agree with God that sin is bad and we need to fight against it, and three, to strive to do the things that God has called us to do, to be obedient out of love. And so for today, in the next two weeks, that's what we're going to be looking at. And this morning we're looking at the idea of choosing to follow Jesus Christ. So let's read verses 2 through 4 of Colossians chapter 3. We'll pray, and then we'll kind of make our way through the passage. It says this, Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Let's pray. Father God, we come before you now, and I pray, God, that as we open up your word, as we open up your truth, Father, I pray that you would speak. I pray that you would use this time to encourage us, to challenge us, draw us closer to yourself. It's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen. The first thing that we see is that we have to choose to follow Jesus. In verse 2, he starts off by saying, set your minds. This is the idea of making a willful decision, making a choice, purposefully choosing this direction, choosing this mindset for your life. It reminds me of the story in Joshua when Joshua is leading the people into the promised land. And as they are going in, he's challenging them as we go into the promised land, as we go into this land that God has given us, we're going to go in and we're going to live for God. We're going to strive to do all that God has called us to do. Joshua 24, 14 through 15 says this, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. And if it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve, whether the gods you served in the region beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua told the Israelites, look, you have a choice to make. We are going into the promised land that God has given us, and you can either continue to uh, serve the idols that you you brought with you from Egypt or from the land of the Amorites that we've been wandering around in for the last 40 years, 
or as we start this new journey into the promised land and taking the land that God has promised us, you can choose to follow Him. And honestly, for all of us, we have a choice to make. Now, remember we said last week that this this section of the text is specifically aimed at believers. Now, for those who do not know Jesus, you have a decision to make. Am I going to place my faith and trust in Jesus as my Lord and Savior? Am I going to confess my sins, repent of my sins, and, and trust Him for my salvation? But for Christians, we have a choice to make every single day. And it's a choice that says, am I going to follow God? Am I going to love God? Am I going to obey God? Am I going to strive to live my life in a way that glorifies and honors Him? Or am I going to follow the desires of my flesh? Am I going to give in to temptation? Am I going to live how I want to live? Am I going to reflect not, or react not in a way that honors and glorifies God, but react in a way that is very natural to me? And so we daily have to make a decision. And following Jesus... It does not happen magically. It does not happen mystically. It doesn't happen by osmosis. It doesn't happen accidentally. It happens when we make a decision that says, from what I know about Jesus, from what I know about God, He is worthy. The life that He offers is greater than anything else, and so I'm going to follow Him. It's a decision that we must make. In John chapter 6, in verses 66 through 69, the disciples make this decision. Jesus has just kind of taught this very hard lesson about what it means to follow Him. And the crowds are dispersing. They're, they're leaving. They're all walking away. And Jesus looks to His disciples and He asks them a question. And starting verse 66, it says, After this, many of His disciples, this is not talking about the twelve, this is talking about the kind of the crowds that were with Him, turned back and no longer walked with Him. So Jesus said to the twelve, Do you want to go away as well? And Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. And we have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. Peter, especially, if not for all the disciples, with the exception of Judas, had come to the point where they realized that there is something special about Jesus, that He is the Holy One, that He is the Messiah, that He is the One who had come to bring freedom and redemption. He was the One that deserves our life, that deserves our worship. And he said, even if everyone else leaves, there's nowhere else for me to go because you alone have the words of life. Daily, we have to make the decision, am I going to choose to follow God today or am I going to choose to follow a false form of life, a false offering of life, a false offering of hope? Because Jesus alone is the one who offers us peace and hope and joy and life. And we have to make this decision to submit our lives to Him. We have to choose to live obediently out of love. We have to choose to worship Him. We have to choose to pray for help against temptation, to, to, to pray for strength. We have to choose to read and study God's Word. This stuff does not happen accidentally. We don't just wake up and all of a sudden we've gone from a baby Christian to a, a full-grown or adult Christian just overnight, just by chance, just by happenstance. It does not happen like that. It does not work. We have to make a choice. It says, I know who God is from what the Bible has told me. I know who Jesus is and what He has done for me. And that is worth me giving to Him and surrendering my life to Him. That I understand that life is found in Him and anything else does not measure up.
So we have to make a choice. Secondly, we choose because there is a difference in how we are to live. The second part of verse 2 says this. He says, set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Now here, Paul lays out a contrast. Paul lays out a distinction between two things. Things that are above and things that are on earth. So from last week, we know what the things are above are. That's where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. That's where Christ is, who died for us. Christ is, who makes intercession for us. Christ is, who deserves our worship, who deserves our honor, who deserves us to pursue and chase after Him. So therefore, if there's a distinction between that and the things that are on the earth, the things that are on the earth are opposite of what it means to follow after Jesus. The things that are on the earth are sinful. The things that are on the earth are of the flesh. The things that are on the earth are things that do not please and glorify God. Now that does not mean that the rocks and trees, that does not mean everything in creation is bad or is sinful. But when they talk about things that are of the earth or things that are on the earth, he's saying you have to make a decision. Am I going to choose to follow God, or am I going to choose to fit in with the sinful culture that I exist in? And understand, when I say sinful culture, I'm not bashing America. I'm just stating the fact that the Bible tells us that all of us, apart from Jesus Christ, are slaves to sin. So therefore, the since the majority of our world does not know Jesus Christ, Jesus says that the way that follows Him is narrow. The way is narrow. The gate is narrow. The, way to, the, the gate and the road is wide that does not love Him or that does not follow Him. And so we know that the world that we live in, we are strangers and aliens. We are light in the midst of darkness. We are living in a world where we are to be different. So when I say sinful culture, I'm not trying to say that we live in this terrible nation or this terrible world. I'm just saying that we live in a world where the majority of people do not know Jesus and therefore do not love Him and do not want to follow Him, and they buy into the lie that Satan offers that says, look, here's where life is found. It's found in all of this sinful stuff or stuff that God has called sinful. So we have to make a decision of who we are going to be and how we are going to live. Now, I don't have this verse on the, these verses on the screen, but in Galatians chapter 6, Paul, I'm sorry, Galatians chapter 5, Paul writes this. He says, But I say, walk in the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are set against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are set against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. This is exactly what he's talking about here, with seeking the things above, not the things that are on the earth. But if you were led by the Spirit, you were not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissensions, divisions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. That's what the things of the earth are. It is sinful. And yes, sin offers a temporary pleasure, else it would not be a temptation. It offers a temporary lie that says, hey, we can provide you something, but it never does. In fact, 1 John 2.17 says this, And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. And Hebrews 11.25, talking about Moses, says that he would be rather mistreated with the people of God than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. 
Whatever sin tries to offer us, whatever the world tries to offer us, or that which is of the earth tries to offer us, it is temporary, it is fleeting, and it does not give us life or hope or joy that is lasting or that is purposeful or that is eternal or that can change who we are. So we make a choice because we know that there is a choice to be made. Every day we have to choose to follow Jesus Christ. Every day we have to make a choice that says, I'm going to live my life as a disciple of Christ today, not as a disciple of the world that is around me. 1 Peter 2, 11-12 says this, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles, another uh, uh, Versions of the Bible might say strangers and aliens to abstain from your passions, from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify uh, God on the day of visitation. In that passage, Paul tells us, or Peter, excuse me, tells us to live our lives understanding that we are strangers and aliens, that we are sojourners and exiles, meaning this is not our home. We are going to look different from other people, but we live in a certain way so that people might see that our God is great, that people might see that our God is worthy, so people might see that our God offers real life, real hope, real purpose, real joy to live your life. Make a decision that says, I'm going to follow Jesus because of the impact that it has on others. John chapter 3, 19 through 21, is John, or Jesus is talking to Nicodemus. He says this, And this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. But whoever does what is true comes to the light so that it may be clearly seen that his works have been carried out in God. Once again, Jesus uses this illustration of light and darkness. And the world that that the illustration is that the world is dark because of sin. And yet God loved His creation enough, that God loved His people enough, that He came down to the world, into the darkness, as light. And even though the darkness rejected Him, He still loved the world. He still died for the world. And as we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we become the light as well. But in the same way, the darkness and the light, there is a distinction there. There is a difference there. And as Christians, we daily have to make a decision. Am I going to walk in the light or am I going to walk in the darkness. It would be awesome. It would be nice if we did not have to make a choice. If the world was perfect and everything just worked out perfectly. But that's not reality. That's not the world that we live in. It'd be nice if choosing to follow God wasn't difficult because it goes against our very nature. We still have a sin nature that we have to fight against, that we have to battle against, that we have to make war against, is what Paul says. And so sometimes it's difficult to say, I'm going to follow God because our flesh still cries out for something that is sinful while the Spirit that God has made to dwell within us, the Holy Spirit, says, no, you walk with God. So we have this battle daily sometimes hourly, of who are we going to be and how we are going to live. It'd be nice if our choices didn't have consequences and we can do whatever we wanted to and there was no repercussions. But in reality, there is. And the decisions that we make 
have byproducts. They have repercussions that play out. What goes up must come down. There is a, a reaction to every action and every decision that we make. So are we going to make decisions that say, hey, I'm going to love God and follow Him? Or are we going to make decisions that say, hey, uh, I've been saved, but I'm just going to kind of live how I want to live and do what I want to do? One glorifies God, one does not. One is encouraged and allowed for believers. One, God does not even really allow for believers. For believers, our attitude is supposed to be, hey, I'm going to follow God and walk with God. Not that we're going to be perfect, but the the purpose, the pursuit, the direction of my life is I'm going to choose to walk with God, and I'm going to choose to fight against my flesh and my sin. So we understand there's a choice to make, that we have to choose to follow God. So that brings up the question, why? Why should we choose to follow God? Why can't we just say, well, we've been saved, um, that's taken care of, we've got our fire insurance, now just live how we want to live. Why is that not an option? Well, there's a couple of things that we see in, verses, in verse 4. First, he says, for you have died. And in this, we see that our position has changed. When we place our faith and trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior, when we place our faith and trust in Him, we repent of our sins and we surrender to Him as our Lord, there is a transformation that takes place. Our position changes from one who is an enemy of God, one who is a a slave to sin, one who is living in the darkness, one who is spiritually dead and deceased, to one who is alive, one who is in the light, one who is no longer an enemy of God, but a child of God. That, That our position in life, our position in relationship to God, has changed. Romans chapter 6, 3 through 4 says this. Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried therefore with Him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. We have been given a new life. We have been given new life. We have been made new. We are no longer who we used to be in regard to our relationship with God, but our position before God has changed, and we have been made new. This means that we are no longer slaves to sin, but we are now uh, slaves to righteousness. In Romans chapter 6, it says this, in verses 6 through 7, and then in verse 11. We know that our old self, that's who we used to be before Jesus Christ, was crucified with Him in order that the body of sin might be, done, might be brought to nothing so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. So sin is no longer our master. That has been conquered on the cross. For the one who has died has been set free from sin. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. We have gone from being a slave to sin and dead to God to being freed from sin and alive in God. That there is a change that has been made to our position in standing before God. We are new creatures. We are new people. 2 Corinthians 5, 17-18 says this, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to Himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. 
In Christ Jesus, God has taken us who were His enemies and reconciled or brought us to Himself. We are no longer His enemies. We are no longer strangers to God. We are no longer lost in the darkness and slaves to sin. But we are now His children, living in freedom. No longer sin is our master, but now God is our Father and our King. He is the one who is the good Father who wants what is best for us. And He is the one that we are following. We strive to follow Jesus. We strive to honor Jesus. We strive to live in a way that glorifies and magnifies and exalts Him because the change He has made to who we are. The change that He has made in in how we stand before God or what our relationship with God is. The fact that our position has changed from an enemy to a child is why we strive to follow Him. Because if He did not initiate that change, if He did not love us enough, to send His Son. If He did not do that, then our position would always be one who was guilty, one who was an enemy, and one who only deserved judgment, one who only deserved the penalty of our sins. So we praise God. We strive to glorify Him because of the change that He has brought in our lives. Colossians 3, 9-10 through says this, do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. So much of the New Testament talks about that which is new in us now. And because it is new, that means that we are to be different from who we used to be. And we strive to be different because of everything that God has done for us. So not only has our position changed, but also our identity has changed. So he says, um, Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are in the earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. So not only has our position changed, we have died. There's, we've died to the old way of life. We've died to sin. We've died to self. We've died to flesh. But now our life is hidden with Christ in God. That we are in Him. There's a couple of things that this brings with it. A couple of ideas that this brings with it. One, our identity is changed. How we identify ourselves. 2 Peter 1.4 says this, By which He has granted to us, granted to us his precious and uh, every great, very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. We have become partakers of the divine nature. That doesn't mean that we are gods or anything like that, but it means that God now dwells with us, that God has given us the Holy Spirit, that God is, is working in our life, that God is allowing us to fight against sin, to stand against sin, to say no to sin, that God is empowering us, that God is strengthening us. And this changes how we identify ourselves. Now, in our nation today, identity is a, it's a big topic of discussion. How you identify uh, gender identity, identity and all this other stuff. Now, we're not going to get off into that this morning, but the reason why that is such a big topic of discussion, the reason why it is so important to people, even if they've kind of gone a wrong direction, even though why it's so important to people is because how you identify yourself, what your identity is, it shapes and defines who you are in every aspect. 
And so as Christians, our identity is one who is in Christ Jesus. Our identity is one who is a, divine, a partaker of the divine nature. Our identity is that we are no longer lost in the darkness, but we are His children. And that before I am anything else, before I'm a father, before I'm a husband, before I'm a pastor, before I'm a, a friend, before I'm anything else, I am a child of God. I am a Christian. I'm a believer in Jesus Christ. And that, as my identity, shapes everything else about me. It shapes who I am. It shapes how I act. It shapes how I think. That being a Christian, first and foremost, being one who has trusted Jesus as my Lord and Savior, first and foremost, it impacts how I, I love and respond to my wife. It impacts how I parent my children. It impacts how I do my job. It impacts everything about me. What I view as right and wrong. What I view as moral and immoral and good and bad. How, where I find my enjoyment at or where I find my entertainment at. That... that I identify as a Christian before anything else, and that in turn shapes everything about me. My language that I use, where my thought life goes, the desires of my heart, everything is shaped and impacted by my identity. So we understand that we are now, our lives are hidden with Christ in God. And this changes our identity. Not only does it change our identity, but it reminds us that we are eternally secure, that we are, our lives are hidden in Him, that there's a sense of protection, a sense of safety that comes with being in Christ. That we know that we don't have to try to, we did not earn our salvation, so we don't have to try to keep working to keep our salvation. We know that it is not something that can be taken from us or stolen from us or, or even given away by us, but it is held by Christ in His hands. And so our identity is one who is forever rescued and held by God. Romans chapter 8 verses 35 and then 37 through 39 says this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. In all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Look, even in that, you see that in Christ Jesus. That Jesus in His death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, in who He is, is everything that we have is wrapped up in Him. And so our identity is wrapped up in Jesus. That He should be shaping and defining who we are above all else. And so as Christians... Our position has changed and our identity has changed. Who we are in relationship to God has changed. Our position and how we view ourselves, how we understand our life, how we understand our perfect, our, our, our position or, or who we are, that has changed in our identity. And so we strive to follow God. We strive to follow Him. We strive to pursue Him because He has changed our relationship to Him and we have understood that this is changing who we are. 
And so to close out, we see that we strive to follow Him because of the eternity that He has promised us. In verse 4 it says, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with Him in glory. Two things that I briefly want to point out in this verse. One, he says, when Christ, who is your life? In those five words, who is your life? Paul kind of wraps up everything that he has just said. That if you want to know what it means to pursue Jesus, if you don't want to know what it means to set your mind on the things above, not on the things of the earth, it means you make Christ your life. Christ, who is your life? He is number one in your life. He is the, uh, the, the deciding factor in your life. He is the guiding and driving force in your life. Christ, who is your life? As Christians, Jesus Christ is who and what our life is to be about. So that's the first thing. The second thing is, he says, when he appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Another reason why we pursue Him, why we strive to glorify Him and honor Him, is because Jesus does not just promise us a change in life now, but a change of life for eternity. Because the Bible is clear that our sin has earned us punishment. That our sin has earned us judgment. That our sin has earned us justice. And justice from God means eternal punishment for our sins. There's no way around it. If you're going to hold to what God's Word says, if you're going to hold to the text, if you're going to hold to Scripture, then life apart from Christ means justice. And justice means eternal punishment. That's what we have earned. That's what we deserve. But in Jesus Christ, with the change in position, with the change in identity, we have also had our eternity changed. That we are no longer under judgment. We are no longer under punishment. Jesus took all of that for himself, on Himself for us. We are now made different. We are now made new. And we have now been promised an eternity, a forever with him. That when He appears, we will be with Him. If we, if we die on this earth now, when Jesus comes back at the second coming and the saints return, then we will be returning with Him. That we will be with Him for all of eternity. No punishment, no pain, no justice. Only grace and love and perfection and joy and life with Him forever. And so we strive to follow Him. We strive to glorify Him. We strive to live a life where we are um, making the most about Him, proclaiming Him, living a life where people around us know that our God is good, our God is real, our God is great, because He has changed our position, He is changing our identity, and He has promised us an eternity with Him. Now, as we look at all that, It takes us back to the very beginning where he says, set your mind. We all have a choice to make. We all have a decision to make. One, am I going to choose to follow Jesus as, am I going to make him my Lord and Savior? If you hear the gospel, every time you hear the gospel, you have a choice to make. Am I going to follow God? Am I going to surrender to God, repent of my sins, or am I not? But for believers, for the Christians in the room, The decision that we have to make every single day. Am I going to choose to follow God today? 
Am I going to choose to make Him first? Am I going to choose to find my identity in Him and let Him shape who I am? Am I going to choose to say no to temptation? Am I going to choose to say no to sin by His power, by His strength? Am I going to choose to say no to the flesh? Am I going to choose to say yes to righteousness? Am I going to choose to say yes to love, yes to grace, yes to obedience, yes to doing and being all that that God has called me to do and to be? As Christians, if we choose to follow God... One, there is life there, there is joy, there is peace, there is excitement, and God allows us to have impact. But as Christians, if we say, you know what, I'm not going to choose that, I'm going to choose to live how I want to live, and I'm going to kind of let Jesus be my fire insurance, two warnings about that. One, Paul tells the Thessalonians, look, double check your faith, because if that's how you want to live, your faith might not be real, you might not be a Christian. It's just what he says. Two, Paul tells the Corinthians, look, God loves us and therefore God will discipline His children to draw us back to Himself. So if you are a Christian and you say, you know what, I just kind of want to have fire insurance and I'm going to live how I want to live, know that God loves you too much to allow that to happen. And God will do whatever He needs to do to get your attention to draw you back to Himself because... While sin might be tempting, sin only brings destruction and death. And God wants life. God wants joy. God wants peace for us. That is found only in Him. So my question for all of us this morning is who are we going to choose to be? Let's pray. Father God, we come before You now. and Thank You for this time that You've given us. Father God, I pray for everyone in this room. Father God, I pray for those who do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. God, I pray that um, as they've heard the gospel this morning, Father God, I pray that that louder than my words, God, that your Holy Spirit has spoken to hearts. And Father God, that you would draw people to yourself and they might make the decision to surrender to you and place their faith and trust in you as their Lord and Savior. Father God, I pray for those in this room who, um, who who do know you. Father God, that that you would help all of us to daily make the decision that says we are going to follow Christ. And Father God, if we haven't been doing that, understanding that there's always grace, and all we have to do is confess and refocus and reset. Reset our mind on the things above. So Father God, I pray that you would help us to make a decision to say we understand that God is great and that God is worthy, and we're going to live our lives for Him. God, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we do pray. Amen.